Welcome. You are listening to the You're Crazy Professor, but it might just work, amazing podcast. Episode 28, Pilot Murder-Suicides. Was German Wings Flight 9525 and the deliberate crashing of the aircraft by Andreas Lubitz that killed all on board a one-off? A few years ago, I undertook a survey of pilots who flew for budget and low-cost airlines. I was interested in how many pilots were suffering from fatigue due to the intense working schedules imposed by some airlines in accordance with their business models. For airlines, when aircraft are on the ground, they're essentially losing money. And the only way for airlines to make money is to have more aircraft in the skies for more of the time. This is doubly true for budget airline operators. And despite flight time limitations, I know many pilots were flying more hours than they should be allowed to. My research found that about 75% of pilots surveyed were severely fatigued, and it was apparent that many of them were not coping well, either emotionally or behaviourally. German Wings Flight 9525 was a scheduled international passenger flight from Barcelona in Spain to Dusseldorf in Germany. The flight was operated by German Wings, a budget operator owned by Lufthansa. On the 24th of March 2015, shortly after reaching cruise altitude and while the captain was out of the cockpit, Lubitz locked the cockpit door and initiated a controlled descent that continued until the aircraft impacted a mountainside. Flight 9525 and Airbus A320 crashed into the mountainous region of the French Alps about 60 miles northwest of Nice. All 144 passengers and the six crew members, two pilots and four cabin crew, were killed instantly. It was German Wings' first fatal crash in the 18-year history of the company. I remember giving some press interviews at the time, shortly after the crash, stating that this incident had the hallmarks of a pilot suicide. And although it was quite unpalatable to think that professionals we trust with our lives, such as pilots, could choose to kill themselves and take innocent people with them, the German Wings 9525 crash was not entirely unique. There had been several pilot suicides and murder suicides before. Pilot suicide, to be clear, is not the same as hijacking. I'm not talking about someone who is unauthorised to take control of an aircraft. I'm interested in those pilots who choose to end their lives and do so knowing that they will take dozens, even hundreds more people with them. Suicide by pilot is an event which a certified or uncertified pilot who is in control or dual control of an aircraft deliberately crashes or attempts to crash the aircraft in a suicide attempt. This is done to either kill just the pilot or fellow crew and passengers, or sometimes it's done to kill people on the ground. In some cases, the people on the ground are not significant to the pilot, and in other cases, pilots have deliberately crashed into the ground to target and kill people they know. This is sometimes described as pilot murder-suicide. Pilot suicide is by no means unique to German Wings 9525, and it is suspected of being a possible cause of the crashes of several general aviation flights and is confirmed as the cause in six other well-known commercial flight suicides. Generally, 
it is difficult for crash investigators to determine pilots' motives if they deliberately turn off cockpit recording devices to hinder future investigations. Pilot suicide can therefore be difficult to prove with certainty in some cases, especially when it involves smaller, single-pilot aircraft. Aircraft investigators rarely qualify aircraft incidents as suicides unless there is overwhelming and compelling evidence that the pilot was attempting to kill themselves. Such evidence that aircraft investigators would need includes suicide notes, previous suicide attempts made by the pilot, documented suicide ideation or planning or threats or a history of severe mental illness that could be associated with suicidal thoughts. Since the year 2000, there have been 12 cases of pilot suicide where deliberate intent was confirmed or strongly suspected by various air crash investigation agencies. There are a further 16 cases going back from 2000 to at least 1972, with the same suicidal act from a variety of pilots for varying reasons. Some of these involve commercial aircraft, but the majority involve private flights or general aviation. These cases seem to be dispersed around the globe, with pilots killing themselves at the controls coming from Russia, Australia, Colombia, Brazil, Japan, the USA, Morocco, Singapore, Botswana, Egypt, Italy, Canada and Jordan. It's clearly a global problem. In some cases, pilot suicide may be for terrorist-related reasons, and investigators routinely work with anti-terrorism agencies, checking for links to extremist groups to try to determine whether a deliberate crash a suicide was an act of terrorism. Most cases of pilot suicide involve general aviation rather than commercial aviation operations and involve small aircraft. In the majority of cases, the pilot is often the only person on board the aircraft and in about 50% of cases, the pilot has been using drugs or alcohol or antidepressants that would have made them ineligible to fly legally. Many cases of pilot suicide involve severe mental illness and that the individuals conceal this from their employers and regulators. In many cases, the pilot's suicide was motivated following relationship breakdowns or emotional disturbances that they found unbearable. Of course, suicide and murder-suicide are not entirely the same thing, and some research into the two have found distinct psychiatric differences. In aeromedical literature and in the media, these very different events are both described as pilot suicide, but psychiatrically speaking, they're considered separate events with distinct risk factors. 65 cases of pilot suicide and 6 cases of passengers who jumped from aircraft have been listed up until 2016. There are also 18 cases of murder-suicide found involving 732 deaths. Pilots perpetrated 13 murder-suicide events and this is about 15% of all suicides committed by pilots. However, compared to non-aviation samples, a large percentage of pilot suicides in studies have often been murder-suicides. The statistics can be confusing, and they don't tell the whole picture. An example comes from the case of a pilot in Utah on the 17th of July in 2012 at the St. George Regional Airport in Utah. A commercial pilot stole an empty Canada Air CRJ200 jet. The pilot had been wanted by the police in connection with the killing of his girlfriend in Colorado Springs earlier that day, and the pilot went to the St. George Municipal Airport, 
gained access to the airfield by climbing over a barbed wire fence, and he walked to one of many parked SkyWest Airlines CRJ-200 jets. He managed to board the plane and start the engines. A security guard saw the airplane taxiing, and it reportedly struck part of the terminal building with its wing, and it careered into a parking area. The pilot then used a handgun he had and shot himself once, killing himself outright. Nobody else was inside the plane. As this was an illegal flight, it was classified legally and technically as a hijack. Thankfully, nobody else was killed, but the intention of the pilot, had he not damaged the aircraft and was able to take off, was unknown. On the 18th of April in 2002, pilot Luigi Fasulo, who was a 65-year-old pilot, took his Rockwell Commander 112 and flew it into the Pirelli Tower in Milan, in Italy. This was seven months after the 9-11 attacks, and Fusulo killed himself and two others in the building. Italian officials conducted an investigation after the crash, and although the cause of the crash was never exactly determined, the most plausible reason given was an accident or a deliberate attempt at suicide. The pilot was in fact a victim of a financial scam that almost bankrupted him a couple of weeks earlier, so the possibility of a suicide seemed plausible to investigators. Many cases of pilot suicide have occurred with single-seater or small light aircraft. On June the 1st in 1980, in Barra de Garcas in Brazil, after an argument with his wife and mother-in-law, pilot Mauro Milhamen attempted to crash his Piper Cherokee aircraft which was also carrying four passengers at the time. He tried to crash the plane into a hotel that was owned by a family member after he discovered that his wife had cheated on him. He failed to hit the hotel and instead he hit several other objects before he crashed the plane into another building. In total, seven people were killed and four were wounded in the incident. When we look at commercial pilot suicides, then it's generally accepted that there have been six major incidents where a legitimate member of the flight crew has taken control of the aircraft and tried to kill themselves. And we'll briefly look at each of those cases here. The first commercial pilot suicide that I can certainly find occurred on the 9th of February 1982 when a Japan Airlines flight from Fukuoka to Tokyo saw 35-year-old Captain Seijei Katagiri reverse two of the engines of the DC-861 mid-flight. This put the aircraft into a nosedive, and it was only the intervention of other crew members, the first officer and a flight engineer, and a fight on the flight deck. And although the aircraft did crash into the Tokyo Bay, about 300 yards short of the runway, 24 people did die. But the crew managed to save 147 lives. Captain Katagiri had suffered from severe depression two years earlier, in 1980, and he had been signed off from work for three weeks before passing the medical and returning to full flying duties. The other five cases of commercial airliner suicide each involved control of the aircraft being taken over while the suicidal pilot was left alone on the flight deck. It was 12 years after the Japan Air incident in 1994 before the next commercial pilot committed suicide. And it was a Royal Air Maroc flight, flight 630, which was a passenger flight on the 21st of August, 1994. And it crashed 10 minutes after takeoff from leaving Agadir Al-Masira airport. All 44 passengers and crew on board were killed. 
It was the deadliest ATR-42 aircraft crash at that point in time, and a later investigation showed that the crash was deliberately caused by the pilot, 32-year-old Yunus Kayat, after he disconnected the autopilot feature and deliberately nosedived the aircraft. Three years later, on December the 19th in 1997, Silk Air Flight 185, a Boeing 737 flying from Jakarta to Singapore, had a similar fate. Captain Su Wei Ming, aged 41, and a former military pilot, is thought to have come up with an excuse to get his first officer, New Zealander Duncan Ward, to leave the cockpit. Having got Duncan Ward out of the cockpit, Ming then proceeded to lock his co-pilot out of the flight deck before he disabled the data recorder. Sue was presumed to have done this in order to ensure there would be no record of what he did. Flight 185 remained level until it started a rapid and nearly vertical dive when it descended through 12,000 feet and parts of the aircraft, including the tail section, began to separate from the fuselage due to the forces arising from the dive. Seconds later, the aircraft crashed into the Musi River near Palembang, Sumatra, killing all 97 passengers and seven crew who were on board. The time it took the craft to dive from cruise altitude to hitting the river was less than one minute, and the plane was travelling faster than the speed of sound for a few seconds before it impacted the river. In 1999, on the 31st of October, Egypt Air Flight 990, a Boeing 737, flying from LA to Cairo, also crashed. While Relief First Officer, 59-year-old Gamil El-Batuti, was alone in the cockpit, he turned off the autopilot while repeatedly saying, I rely on God, in Arabic, whilst Captain Alhamed Al-Shabi was in the lavatory. The aircraft suddenly went into a rapid nosedive, resulting in relative weightlessness throughout the cabin. Despite this, Captain Al-Hashabi was able to fight the zero gravity and re-enter the cockpit. The captain then deployed the speed brakes, which slowed the aircraft's dive, and it brought it back to a safer speed, but it resulted in the aircraft entering a steep climb. The engines then stalled, and the aircraft lost all electrical power, and both flight recorders stopped. It fell into a second steep dive, and the stresses on the, on the airframe caused the left engine to detach from the wing. The entire aircraft broke apart in mid-air at about 10,000 feet, and debris crashed into the Atlantic Ocean. All 217 on board were killed. On November the 29th, 2013, LAM Mozambique Airlines Flight 470 was a scheduled international flight from Mozambique to Angola. The Embraer A190 twin jet crashed into the Brabata National Park in Namibia halfway through its flight, killing all 27 passengers and six crew on board. Preliminary findings of the Mozambican Civil Aviation Institute show that the captain, 49-year-old Herminio dos Santos Fernandez, deliberately crashed the jet. The Director of Aircraft Accident Investigations in Namibia stated that the pilot inputted controls leading to the crash was the probable cause of the accident, and the final report of the DAAI found that the inputs to the autoflight systems by the captain, who remained alone in the flight deck when the co-pilot requested to go to lavatory, caused the aircraft to depart from its cruising flight and transition to a sustained controlled descent and crash. The Mozambican Association of Air Operators, however, still disputes to this day the conclusion of the official findings, and they 
dispute that it was a deliberate pilot suicide. So the sixth and most recent case of pilot suicide involving a commercial aircraft was the German Wings Flight 9525. The co-pilot, 27-year-old Andreas Gunter Lubitz, who was born on the 18th of December 1987 in Bavaria. He took flying lessons and was accepted into a Lufthansa trainee programme after he finished high school. In September 2008, he began training at the Lufthansa Flight Training School in Bremen. He suspended his pilot training after two months, having been hospitalised for a severe depressive episode. After his psychiatrist determined that the depressive episode was fully resolved, Lubitz returned to the Lufthansa School in August 2009. He moved to the United States in November 2010 to continue training at the Lufthansa Airline Training Center in Arizona. From June 2011 to December 2013, Lubitz worked as a flight attendant for Lufthansa whilst training to obtain his commercial pilot's license until he joined German Wings as a first officer in June 2014. It's very clear from Lubitz's biography that flying was an incredibly large part of his entire career and his lived experience. His identity and his lifestyle were tied into him being a pilot and he would go to extreme measures to avoid risking anything that could harm his status as a pilot. Three days after the German Wings 9525 crash on the 24th of March 2015, Detectives searched Lubitz's properties and removed a computer and some other items for forensic analysis. No suicide note or any evidence his actions had been motivated by a political or religious background were found. During the searches of Lubitz's apartment, detectives found a letter that had been thrown away that indicated that Lubitz had been declared unfit to work by an occupational physician who assessed him. German Wings had stated that it had not received a sick note from Lubitz for the day of the flight, and under German law, employers do not have access to employees' medical records, and sick notes excusing a person from work do not need to give information about any relevant medical conditions. Investigating authorities continued the searches of Lubitz and his background, and they found evidence that he was taking prescription drugs and suffered from a psychosomatic illness, which later transpired to be burnout, a severe form of an acute stress response characterised by fatigue, both physical and mental, anxiety and feelings of despair. Criminal investigation teams, including the FBI, said Lubitz's web searches on his tablet in the days leading up to the crash included, quote, ways to commit suicide, quote, and cockpit doors and security provisions. Prosecutors said that doctors they spoke to who knew Lubitz told him that he should not have been flying, but medical secrecy requirements prevented this information from being made available to German wings. The French Bureau d'Enquête and Analysis, the Bureau of Investigation Analysis in France, their preliminary report and investigation into Lubitz found that he'd been treated for suicidal tendencies and suicidal thoughts prior to his training as a commercial pilot and had been temporarily denied a US pilot's license because of treatment for severe depression. The final report of the Bureau of Investigation and Analysis confirmed the preliminary report's findings, saying that the co-pilot began showing symptoms of psychosis and severe depression going back at least five years. 
Lubitz also suffered from severe anxiety due to his continual worries that he had a degenerative eye condition that would eventually prevent him from licensed pilot duties. He'd consulted dozens of private physicians in an attempt to receive a positive prognosis about the future of his eyesight, but unfortunately, every physician that assessed him said that he was likely to be losing his eyesight within the next few years. Motivated by the overwhelming fear that the blindness would cause him to lose his pilot's license and his lifestyle and his status, he began conducting online research about methods of committing suicide. The official investigation into the crash determined that the crash was caused deliberately by co-pilot Lubitz. After their initial analysis of the aircraft's flight data recorder, the BEA concluded that Lubitz had made flight control inputs that led to the accident. He had set the autopilot to descend to 100 feet and accelerated the speed of descending aircraft several times thereafter. The aircraft was travelling at approximately 435 miles per hour when it crashed into the mountainside. The BEA final report confirmed the initial analysis of the aircraft's flight data recorder and revealed that during the earlier outbound flight from Dusseldorf to Barcelona, Lubitz had practiced setting the autopilot altitude to 100 feet again, several times whilst the captain was out of the cockpit. Well, looking at the cases of murder-suicide by commercial pilots that we've looked at, five of the six cases occurred after pilots were left alone in the cockpit. And the sixth incident, the one involving the Japan air captain, Seiji Katagiri, saw him attempt to crash the aircraft while two of us were in the flight deck with him. It appears that no single factors are associated with the risk for suicide or murder-suicide by pilot, but it cannot be ignored that all six pilots who successful in crashing commercial airliners were male, aged between 25 to 59. The mean age of these six pilots was only 40 years. And this one's contrary to what many people may imagine a murder-suicide pilot would be like. People may think that it would be an older pilot nearing the end of their career who may be more likely to commit this lethal action, but it seems not to be the case. Only one of the six cases of commercial pilot murder-suicide were over 50. And recent research and reviews of studies of commercial pilot mental health and well-being shows that pilots are no more likely to suffer from severe mental health problems than the general working population. In fact, being a pilot may be protective against suicidal death, generally speaking, and you may be safer being a pilot than in other occupations that we know are associated with suicidal death, such as pharmacists, farmers, dentists and vets. So being a pilot may be protective against suicidal death and advanced screening and health surveillance of those undertaking such safety critical jobs is more likely to ensure that many are unable to fly while suffering. Research also suggests that it's younger male pilots who are more likely to display mental health problems and symptoms than older pilot contemporaries. This may be related to older and more experienced pilots finding better ways of coping with life's problems and having more experience in dealing with problems. Factors commonly associated with both murder-suicide pilots and suicidal pilots include personal, legal and financial crises, occupational crises, severe mental illness or relationship stresses. In almost half of commercial pilot suicides, saw a role for chronic alcohol or substance misuse.
So pilot murder suicides occur extremely rarely, but their impact in terms of the proportion of deaths that they leave behind is significant. Of the six commercial pilot suicide cases discussed here, they accounted for a total of 572 fatalities, making this type of lethal action more fatal on an incident-by-incident basis than public mass shootings. Like other extremely violent and unusual crimes, researchers have found some evidence of clustering, where pilot suicides occur after media reports of suicide or other murder-suicides have been in the news. This would suggest that reports of suicide themselves do not make viewers and listeners suicidal, but for those who've perhaps been thinking about it or even considered if they couldn't kill themselves, such reports often give those individuals motivation and the impetus to carry through their suicidal thoughts. Given that the behavioural risk factors are often observable and sometimes biological detectable in suicidal pilots, it seems remarkable that professional pilots with such functional problems are not always detected. No doubt many are, and many potential pilot suicides are stopped thanks to yearly medicals and six-month assessments of mental and physical health being standard procedures for many airlines. But in some cases, pilots with problems are able to talk around or obfuscate the process, and they find themselves on the flight deck in times when their judgment may be impaired and when the balance of their mind may not be functioning correctly. This clearly happened in the case of Andreas Lubitzu, partially due to laws in Germany about workers' and medical conditions and workplace confidentiality, was able to hide his deteriorating situation from the managers at German Wings. In response to that crash in 2015 and the circumstances of Lubitz's direct and deliberate involvement in the crash, aviation authorities in several countries implemented new regulations that require the presence of two authorised personnel in the cockpit at all times. Three days after the crash of 9525, the European Aviation Safety Agency issued a temporary recommendation for airlines to ensure that at least two crew members, including at least one pilot, were in the cockpit for the entire duration of the flight, and several airlines announced that they already adopted similar policies voluntarily. So we know that flying is still not without risks, and although anti-terrorism security and aviation safety have never been more paramount and advanced than they currently are, psychological and behavioural screening of pilots and legislation to allow airlines access to medical records has never been needed more so than it is now. Although pilot murder-suicide is rare, like most incidents involving mass killing, the impact and legacy left behind can be disproportionately painful and long-lasting. You've been listening to the You're Crazy Professor, but it might just work, amazing podcast. I hope this has been useful. I hope it's been helpful.